two days after being home, something just felt really wrong. I kept having these visions of getting hurt so I could go back to the hospital and not have to be a mom or take care of a baby. I always say I was lucky because for me, it hit really quickly and a red flag went up. I was so excited about this and yet I can't stop crying. I want nothing to do with my son. I don't want to get out of bed. Like, what did I just do to my life? I just blew up my life. I don't want to do this. I made a horrible mistake. With all that, you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? You're listening to The Milk Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now, here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jennifer Tracy. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. And I talk with creative moms about birthing more than babies. So today on the show, we have Jen Schwartz of Motherhood Understood. Jen is a postpartum anxiety survivor, and she talks very openly about her journey through postpartum and her diagnosis and treatment. And I just really was so honored that she wanted to be on the show because I think it's so empowering when one woman speaks out about her experience with postpartum depression, anxiety, any of the various things that we can experience. It really opens the door for other moms who are experiencing that now or have experienced it. And it really brings so much relief. I know it has for me even now still. When I was experiencing my postpartum depression, I didn't I didn't know about a, a podcast. There, there might have been one at the time, but I didn't know about it. This was almost 10 years ago. And I felt so alone. I felt so isolated. And I felt like something was so wrong with me. And I just want to say, if you're suffering, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly normal and you're doing the very best you can and you're exactly where you need to be and please reach out and get help. Call your OBGYN, call your general doctor, call your clinic and explain to them the the way that you're feeling and the, th- the thoughts that you're thinking um, because it is not rainbows and unicorns for most of us when we have babies. That's just, that's not reality. <laughs> so, um, but there is help. So anyway, I was thrilled to sit down with Jen. We weren't actually in the same room because she's in North Carolina, but we were able to connect online and I was able to interview her and she just had so many wonderful insights. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Also, um, I'm starting a new program. My amazing team and just, I have like the most amazing team behind me. Also, I just want to be really transparent about that. I am not a one woman show. Um, it might look like that sometimes, but I always want to pull those covers and say, oh, no, 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 no. I have Sarah Candela is my producer. She is miraculous. I have Corinne Bowen helping me with my marketing. Um, I have Liz who does, I don't even know how many jobs Liz does. She just does so many different jobs. And I have Derek, our amazing editor who, and I always say this, he makes me sound way better than I actually sound. So I have a team of people that help me do this. And I don't really think I could do it without them. Or if I did it, it would be like, okay, you know, but it wouldn't be as good as it is. And it's a really good, you guys. It's just so good. So it is. 
it actually is. Um, anyway, with that, shout out to my peeps, my team. I love my team. I love you guys. I love you so much. So Sarah had gave me the idea of picking a charity each month and giving a dollar for every iTunes review that we get, giving a dollar to that charity. And I love that idea. So that's one way I'm going to start doing this and then expand it as we go on. So for the month of December, I have picked Every Mother Counts. If you're not familiar with this organization, please go check it out on everymothercounts.org. This is such an amazing organization. Their mission is to help make pregnancy and childbirth safe for everyone everywhere. So what they do is they provide access to healthcare and medical, maternal medical needs for women and children all around the world. Go check out their website so you'll learn about more what they do, but they they really actually do what they say they do. And um, so anyway, so for every review, iTunes review that um, MILF podcast gets in the month of December, I'm going to donate a dollar to Every Mother Counts. Not only that, because it's the holidays, I'm going to triple that and give for each review, I'm going to give $3. I don't know why I didn't just start with that. For the month of December, I'm going to give $3 for every review. I hope that you guys make me like write a huge check. At the end of the month, I will give a shout out to every single person who wrote a review. So anyway, do it. And check out this organization. If you don't want to write a review and you just want to give them money, please do that. Please do that. Okay. I'm rambled long enough. I want you to hear Jen Schwartz. She is amazing. You guys are amazing. Happy holidays. And thanks so much for listening. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. So you're in New York. I'm actually in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, you're in Charlotte, North Carolina? I am, okay. but I kind of go back and forth a lot. I'm from New York. I My see. whole family's up there. Oh. I actually will be there this weekend. So so what is in Charlotte? So my husband's business is in Charlotte. Ah. Yes. So I've been here since 2007, and okay. I guess it's really home-based, but I still like to say it's New York. Like, New York yeah. is home-based. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So... Tell me about you. I want to know, I want to, there's so many interesting things about what you're doing and all the stuff you have going on, but I want to kind of start from the beginning. So you're originally from New York? I am. I'm originally from New York and I met my husband at the time. He was my boyfriend in 2004 okay. and he moved to Charlotte that year and we dated long distance. Oh, wow. And I moved here three years later. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was a big, it was a big transition. And yeah. yeah, so I kind of had like lots of different jobs in New York. Before I moved here, I was living on the Upper East Side. And when I moved to Charlotte, I decided to go back to school and get my master's and I became an English teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I before motherhood and before postpartum depression and motherhood mm -hmm. understood I was a middle school English teacher. Oh, wow. That's great. I know. That is very I, every, brave. Everybody, everybody <laughs> responds that way. Everyone. And in the South, everyone is always like, oh, bless your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah. you know, and, um, but I, you know, I really, I loved my kids, but yeah, it's, it was a lot. And I was an English major in college and love English and film and things like that. And so 
it seemed like a natural fit and I liked it a lot, but I actually ended up quitting in my, into my maternity leave because I knew I was not going back once I had my son. Yeah. Like I just, you know, I was lucky I didn't have to, um, but there was no way that I could, you know, chase around a hundred middle schoolers and then come home and be a parent. Oh yeah. I just couldn't yeah. do it. Like yeah. I give major props to everybody who does. I just, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. So then you had your son in, and when was that? When I was had that? him in March of 2013. So mm -hmm. Jay and I had, Jason's my husband, mm -hmm. Jay and I had already been married for five years, but we had been together for what, two, what 2013, like 11, 11 yeah. years. Yeah. You know, he was planned. I was really excited to be a mom. I feel like I had, you know, these, the typical, the fairy tale visions of what it was going to be like. And the ironic thing is, is that who I thought I would be after a mom, I wasn't that person before I was a mom either. Yeah. Like I thought I was going to have my baby and, you know, fall in love with him right away and, you know, do Pinterest things and take him <laughs> everywhere. Right. And yeah. curate, puree baby food yeah. and, you know, just kind of like transform, like, like when Cinderella spins around with her fairy yeah. godmother, you know, into that dress, like that was going to be me <laughs> as a mom yeah. in the kit, like in the kitchen. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like, I didn't really cook before I was a mom. My husband's a, like the cook. Yeah. I don't really like it that much. Yeah. I am not a DIY person, you know, like, I like to look on Pinterest, but then I will pay someone to like, you know, do the decorations for me. Yes. You know, I, in the hospital, you know, so I had a really long labor. I labored for 24 hours, oh, pushed for two and had a C-section, um, which yeah. apparently is a, and we can talk more about this later, but is a huge risk factor for postpartum depression that long, really? yeah, long labor, which, you know, I will, and we'll talk more about that later, <laughs> but you know, I was, I think I was pretty happy in the hospital. And I brought him home and two days after being home, um, something just felt really wrong. And I kept having these visions of getting hurt so I could go back to the hospital mm. and not have to be a mom or take care of a baby. Mm. And like, you know, and I always say I was lucky because for me, it hit really quickly and a red flag went up, you mm. know, like, um, I was so excited about this and yet. I can't stop crying. Yeah. I want nothing to do with my son. Yeah. I don't want to get out of bed. Like, what did I just do to my life? I just blew up my life. Um, I don't want to do this. I made a horrible mistake. And then with all that, you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? Because every single other mother I know, whether it's personally as a friend or, you know, on social media, they're all like smiling. Yeah. They love, they love it. They're so right. good at it. I mean, we know that that's not true. Exactly. Now, right. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, sure. right. And so I was like, why am I horrible at something that is supposed mm. to come naturally to every woman? And that kind of compounded everything. Mm. And kind of from that day, that was, I guess, the, the first day of my postpartum depression battle, which lasted about a year. Mm. And what did you do? What did, did you call? someone or did you talk to your husband? What was your first move? Yeah. So I was again, really lucky. So my mom, who is a therapist, um, as a second career was staying with us for a few days because we had the bris eight days later, which mm -hmm. if you don't know what a bris is, or people who don't know what a bris is, it's, you know, basically a ceremony for the circumcision for, and it happens eight days after your son is born. 
and it's a party with food. Um, and so my mom was here and I promised myself that night I would say something to her. Mm. You know, I was embarrassed, but I like kind of gave myself a pep talk. Like you have to say something like mm. this isn't normal. And I was about to say something and she like in like true, you know, Jewish New Yorker mom fashion said, Jen, what's going on? And so my husband had already said something to her. Uh-huh. Like he, you know, so he noticed that something wasn't right Yeah, and said something to her. And so from that point, we called my OB the next day. And that kind of led to kind of like a scavenger hunt, I feel like of sorts to actually find what ended up being the right treatment to get better because I didn't know what was happening to me. Right. And I didn't know what I needed to get better. Right. Major kudos to you for kudos to your mom and your husband, first of all, like right. bravo for them being supportive and acknowledging you and being tuned into you enough to really be there for you and like help you get help. Um, and then also for you for getting the courage up to say something, which you didn't have to sort of, you know, say right. because she she sort of stepped in, but like that you were going to because you know, and I've shared this on the show before. For me, it was two and a half years before I asked for help. So right. that's amazing. So what was the next step after you uh, went to the OBGYN and the scavenger hunt? What was the... Yeah. What was the- so I went to my OB the next day. She fit me in and, you know, and I was hysterical crying in her office. My mom was holding the baby. My sister was with us too because I didn't want to hold the baby. And um, she just, you know, she said, it's really early we can't really diagnose anything for two weeks, you know, because it could just be baby blues, you know, and, and I know her from a community also. So she's kind of like a friend's acquaintance, but she has, you know, and she also said, I've seen so many women like this, women who are lawyers and doctors, you know, like this, who are thriving now. But at the time that didn't help because I didn't even know what was wrong with me. So she prescribed me clonopin and for the anxiety and sent me home. And I guess, I had to wait, you know, wait two weeks to see if it got better or not. So I started taking the clonopin. It was amazing because I would lie in bed and take it and the thoughts would stop mm. and I would fall asleep. And while family members were taking care of Mason, my son, mm-hmm. but then after a few days, the clonopin stopped working. That's mm. how bad the anxiety was. So mm. I called my regular doctor freaking out. And I went there, you know, hysterical crying. He didn't really, I don't think he said anything about, you know, maternal mental health or postpartum depression. He prescribed me Xanax, mm-hmm. like rat, uh, extended release or something. So it releases a little each day. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work. Mm. And we started, my mom helped me find a therapist. And, you know, and as I always say, finding a therapist is like dating, you know, yes. you might not, right? You might. Cause like you might not find the right one at first. And yeah. so the first one I went to, I remember sitting on her couch and she just wanted to talk about ways I could be a good mom. Oh God. How <laughs> can you be a good mom? Oh, no. Right. right. <laughs> and a, I don't have a diagnosis. I don't know what's wrong with me. These, I would have done anything to make the anxiety stop. Like, you know, like the five stages of grief. It's like the five stages of postpartum anxiety. And I was in the bargaining phase. Like, yeah. please, please, whatever you like, just take it away. Yeah. And I didn't even want to be a mom. So how could I even think about being a good right. mom? So then, and this was now, I feel like maybe two, two weeks in, you know, so I'm suffering, you know, mm-hmm. now for two weeks at least. And um, which isn't really a long time when you think about, 
But when you're in that kind of pain, yeah. No, of course. And forever, but yeah. And then um, luckily, just randomly, we were looking online, you know, and Googling for more therapists. And I happened to just type in postpartum depression, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I found um, a woman, Dr. Thorne. She works at a little office. There's four of them called the Postpartum Center for the Carolinas. And I called right away. I think it was a weekend. I left a message. She called me back on Monday and I made an appointment and I went in there and I swear to God, like the sky opened up mm. like with like, a, I mean, I it wasn't better, but like, a, you know, that there was some light because yeah. she gave me a diagnosis, right? She talked to me and told me about postpartum depression. She told me that she treats thousands of moms like me every day. You know, in my head, I really was the only one yeah. in the entire universe yeah. <laughs> going through this because I didn't know anybody else who ever had it or whoever talked about it. And she also gave me a sheet of paper to check off different boxes, which were risk factors of postpartum depression. And I had a lot of them and they're different for every mom. So it's really hard to give a pregnant mom, you know, a checklist because it's not one size fits all. But she said, I do this because it takes the blame off of you. And you see that there are all these things that are part of the reason why you're going through this. And I wish somebody, you know, slipped that risk factor sheet in my bag, you know, at an OB appointment or something. But basically, because she educated me and she diagnosed me and said, it gets like, we're going to it gets better. And I didn't believe her, right? Mm. Like I thought she was lying to me at every appointment when she said, it's going to get better. You're going to get better. I felt like I was going to live that way forever. Mm. But finding the woman who specialized in it, the doctor who specialized is really what made the difference. Mm. And then between her and my regular doctor, they got me into a psychiatrist pretty quickly. And he put me on antidepressants and Ativan. And Ativan seemed to be the magical anti-anxiety drug for me. Like mm-hmm. that worked. It never stopped working. And I took Lexapro, mm-hmm. which didn't work. It mm-hmm. made me feel kind of very um, flat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, always, I'm not a medical professional, so I can just tell you what I take. I, you know, right. I'm not recommending anything. Right. But for me, the Lexapro didn't work. And so he switched it. But then remember, an antidepressant takes four to six weeks to take effect. Right. So now I had to wait another four to six weeks for the second one to take effect. So which is why I kind of call it a scavenger hunt. Sure. So I feel like by month two, I was kind of on a treatment plan. It just takes time. It doesn't, Mm. you know, it doesn't work right away. Right. And that was kind of my journey into, you know, having, you know, giving myself like trying to be really gentle with myself, trying not to feel guilty. Um, I One of the other reasons why I say I was really lucky is because I slept Mm. because, you know, the lack of sleep that we get as moms in general exacerbates everything, but a mental health illness, yeah, it really exacerbates. And I had a a night nurse. She was just supposed to come for three nights a week for four weeks to help. And we ended up having her and her aunt come for every night. They would switch off every night for two months. Yeah. And because I ended up stop. I ended up going the formula route after five days, partly because I just I couldn't mentally do the breastfeeding and I needed to take the medicine. I slept at night. Yeah. So I think had I not slept, it really would have made it a lot worse. Um, But yeah, it really wasn't until I would say Mason was six months old where I started to kind of see myself again. Yeah. And then by a year was really when I felt like I love him. I love being a mom. I'm confident. 
I'm better. And then I'm, you know, now I'm five and a half years out, but like, I still have bad days. I still have lulls. I still take the antidepressants. Um, But yeah, it was a, like, it was a marathon, you know, not a sprint. And I wanted it to be a sprint because, you know, like you just, please make this stop. Like make these feelings stop. Why can't I love my son? Why don't I want to spend time with him? Why can't I do any of this? I wanted to be a mom and it's, horrible. Oh, it's agonizing. It's just agonizing. And the, and I, you spoke to that feeling of being so alone. Um, right. And it's, that's it. Ironically, that's such a universal symptom of postpartum depression is that lo- like feeling alone, feeling unique. And truthfully, it is one of the many reasons though, that I, that I started this podcast and, and it has come up in several, um, right. almost every single interview, uh, you know, at some point. I wish that I would have had something to listen to. I'm sure there was stuff. And I always say this. I'm sure there were podcasts at the time, you know, nine and a half years ago, but I didn't know about them. And, um, but I'm just so glad that you got the help. And it sounds like you're continuing on now on this path because we do still need it. I mean, my son is, you know, nine and a half going on 10 and I still go to therapy. I still take my antidepressants every day and I still have a self-care regimen and, support groups that I go to because I need to maintain my mental health. You right. I know. No, I think it's so true. And I think you really said it when you said you wish like this, this podcast was, you know, existed nine and a half years ago, which is probably a huge reason why you created it. You, yes. know, you created something that you needed. Same for motherhood understood. I mean, I think, and I was only five and a half years ago. So you're yeah. even four years yeah. further back than then. And I felt at that time, there were blogs and there were things, but I looked online, I looked and I really felt like I couldn't find anything where there were like raw intimate details from other moms. There were books by therapists, there were, you know, other things, but nothing I could relate to. And so I think when I ended up creating this community, it was kind of the community I was looking for. And it started with just a blog. I, um, you know, when Mason was three, I launched a blog called The Medicated Mommy. Mm. And that's how I started. And it really was just to talk about and write about those intimate raw details that I couldn't find. Because I really wanted other moms to know about this before they had their babies. Yes. You know, like, how great would it be if like, we lived in a world where like, a mom got PPD or PPA, and it was like, oh, I have postpartum depression or I have to call my doctor. You know what I mean? Like it was a routine, normal thing. Just like, oh, I have the flu. I need to go see the doctor and find out what I need to do for it. But it's not like that. Hence the, we're all so alone and we're all so isolated. And, you know, I would have loved to know you five and a half years ago yes. right, when I was struggling. And, but, but we, we don't. Yeah. Well, and a, and a big piece of that, Jen, I think is the shame surrounding that, like, like you said, and it's, I love the way you articulated it. You thought that when you were pregnant, I had the same thought, by the way, and I was never really a great cook. I've become a good cook, but I wasn't a good cook. <laughs> and I, I'm not a real DIY person either, but I love things that are pretty and I love, but I always, right. I thought, oh, I'm going to magically transform into someone that like floats on fairy dust and sings lullabies. And like, exactly. You know, and it's exactly. Just, and, and I actually know a dear friend of mine, Marcy, <laughs> who lives in Boston, does actually pretty much float on 
on fairy wings. Like she, I have a friend like that too. She's just a mom who she said, Oh, you're going to love it. Her kids are older. And she said, every day is like Christmas. And, and she just called me, her kids are teenagers now. And she's like, I'm going to teach my unicorns uh, and rainbows class, which she is to like oh. little kids. Like she is that person. I love it. And I would always think, well, gosh, why, you know, why does she, that's rare. And I think it's, it's dangerous. Like you, you're saying about this, this image that is projected to us on all of these social media sites of the perfection and the seamlessness and, Oh, we're so happy and glowing and everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, those moments are real too. That's maybe 8% of the time. No, it's no, it's true. And I really do think that there are moms out there like your friends who really do absolutely love it and take to it. And that's their world. And it is like, Christmas every day and rainbows yes. and unicorns. I think that they're the exception yes, to I the agree. rule. I just think we don't know that because everybody portrays themselves living like that, right? Because they're ashamed because they're, and that doesn't mean that your friend doesn't struggle. Right. Exactly. Right. Everybody exactly. struggles. Yeah. It's just that, you know, and I think that portrayal really does us a disservice because yeah. we think that there's something wrong with us when we don't live up to that expectation. And it is such an impossible expectation to reach of the, you know, of the perfection of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend too, and she's one of my closest friends and she has three kids and, you know, breastfed each of them for a year and just, she struggles and gets stressed, but she always to me look, and she was my first friend to ever have a child. Mm. So like her oldest now is in third grade and she just always, had it together or seemed like she got it. Even when she was struggling, she had it under control. Yeah. So I always, and she is like Pinterest, you know, amazing. Yeah. I um had a birthday luncheon yesterday and she made me a unicorn cake. Like she made it. It's like, That's it looks incredible. professional. It's on my Instagram stories. I'm That's like, amazing. what? <laughs> like I would have paid somebody to get a cake and she's like, no, I got this. I'm doing it. Wow. And, um, right. And so I always joke with her that she ruins motherhood for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and we joke, but I really thought that I was going to be like that. I thought that that's what, you know, that that's what happened. Right. And I think then, then when you, and it, like you said, it took you two and a half years to yes. speak up me, even though I spoke up and I was pretty vocal, I remember thinking, oh my God, I just be, I just became a mom. What are all my friends, you know, or all these new mom friends I I made in Charlotte going to think about the fact that I just became a mom and I'm going to weekly therapy appointments and taking antidepressants for the first time in my life. Yeah. You know, like, what are these people going to think of me? Yeah. Um, and now I could give a fuck. Right. You know? Exactly. Like now yeah. I own it and I really try to help moms own it too, because it's so common. Yeah. We just don't know. But yeah, those thoughts. And I think the shame is a huge factor. Yeah, it really is, which is why it's so great that we're talking about it here. Yeah. And other people are talking about it. So tell me more about motherhood understood. So you started it as a blog and then so what, I, what developed from there? So I started out as a blog called the medicated mommy. And I did that for, I guess about almost two years. And I wanted to kind of go a little bit bigger than that and kind of be more of, I guess I call myself a social media platform and community. And I kind of wanted to do that because rather than kind of writing long stories, I almost wanted to just put quotes out. Mm -hmm. And so to me, Instagram kind of seemed like the most natural place to 
put memes out, but not those funny, let's make fun of our, you know, our kids, you know, absurdities of parenting memes. Right. Like those kind of inner dark, scary thoughts that we all have and don't say kind of, kind of unmasking that other side of motherhood, the uglier side, the messier side. And it just started to really resonate with moms, these little quotes and these little blurbs, you know, oh my God, that's happened to me. I've thought about that. And so it just kind of grew organically like that. And um, so I have kind of two missions. One, you know, the commitment to take mental health, maternal mental health taboos public, you know, so all moms feel like they can do the same and no mom ever has to suffer in silence or not get the help that she needs. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it, which is kind of what I'm kind of veering into a little now that I have more of a reach and following is I want to help brands talk to these moms also. Mm. Like I think that a Pampers commercial should show a mom going to her first therapy appointment Mm -hmm. and using their product Mm -hmm. or a mom going to the pharmacy to pick up her antidepressant prescription while she's picking up Dove baby products. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that this side of motherhood really should be included in mainstream media. And I think that um, it's been, it's gotten so much better. I mean, the fact that most of your guests talk about an experience and there are so many more blogs and even mom bloggers who do focus on the happier side of motherhood still talk about their anxiety and things like that. Yeah. But I really think one of the ways to really decrease the stigma and make, um, you know, and normalize maternal mental health is to get it in mainstream and pop culture you know, in ad campaigns, you know, movie characters, TV characters, and not just like an episode, right? You know, but make these things the norm. Yes. Um, And so that's kind of the other part of my mission um, is really to kind of be a catalyst for change kind of in the mainstream and, you know, in the mainstream area. Yeah. Because, you know, it's also I mean, this is 20% of new moms. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, that's close to a million moms a year. Yeah that are not being spoken to and do not feel heard. Totally. Um, and I would guess, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a stats person, but I would just guess that it's more than that because there's so course. many, you know what I mean? So Right, that's reported. Right. right. That's reported, right. So tell me how you're implementing that vision because you have quite a following on your account, right. which is impress- impressive, and you're doing all this cool stuff. So tell me what you're up to because I'm just so inspired. I mean, I've only started to kind of, I think, branch out and kind of, you know, maybe delve into the, you know, the influencer space now that I have a decent sized following. The first thing I've done is I um, worked with a company called WeGo Health and they're really cool. They are a, um, a community of patient leaders because they believe that if you have an illness or a disease, you want to hear from people who've gone through it, yes. you know, not just the doctor. So I've been working with them a lot on some postpartum depression content, and I um, helped them do some videos for a company called Sage Therapeutics. And Sage is, um, they're waiting on FDA approval for the first ever postpartum depression specific drug. Wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. And I they had a campaign, I think, that came out last year and it was a little provocative and it really fell flat with moms. Mm. So I did some video content for that. And I have a few things coming up in 2019 that I'm not allowed to talk about or announce yet. Okay. Yeah. Really good stuff. But so I think it's kind of right now, I'm just kind of trying to get my name out and get my message out a little bit more this way. When I approach brands, I can 
say, look, this here are 20% of new moms yeah. who don't um, experience this idyllic picture of motherhood that you're promoting in a campaign, which leaves 20% of new moms feeling guilty yeah. or shame yeah. and they can't relate. And, you know, moms, you know, you get their, tr you know, you get a mom's trust, you relate to them. They want what you have. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I am with that. I'm, and this kind of um, came out of the fact that last, um, funny, last year in March, Brooke, who was your guest this past week, yes. and I were at a mom conference in LA. Mm -hmm. And we were watching a new campaign that was coming out um, by Carter's. Mm -hmm. And it was about the firsts. You were there for all your firsts. And I remember when it was over, I looked back at Brooke and I said, well, I feel guilty now because I missed all those firsts. Mm. I didn't experience any of that. And I felt like there's got to be a way to be able to still do that. That stuff is still necessary. Yeah. But somehow incorporate the other side. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's profound. Because you're right, right. It kind of leaves out a whole section of moms. Right. And in that room were 800 moms. And so if 20% of those moms had some type of maternal mental health issue, that's 200 moms in that yeah. room yeah. that also could not relate yeah. necessarily to that ad. Yeah. And I think that that needs to change. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Mm -hmm. So your son is five and a half. Mm -hmm. So is he in kindergarten now? He is. He's in kindergarten. Oh. And what yeah, is that like for you? Has that been lovely having a little more time to work so on this? it's yeah it's been great so i have had a part-time nanny since he was six months old okay partly because i again when i sold myself that fairy tale you know unicorn version of motherhood i was gonna like do it all myself you know i was i wasn't gonna be working anymore so and very quickly we needed help during the day anyway because i couldn't be alone with him and my husband had to go back to work yeah so one of the night nurses ended up nannying for us during the day. And at six months, when I started to get better, we hired this amazing woman, Renee, and she came a couple of days a week. Mm. Um, I don't have, besides, you know, some men, I don't have my mom down here or my mm. mother-in-law. So she's been with us since Mason was six months old. And we stopped, you know, we ended um, our contract with her right before he went to kindergarten. So that was a little heartbreaking and yeah. sad because she's part of our family. Yeah. You know, she um I was really sad about that. And I think um I know it sounds funny, but I think the first week she wasn't here, I really had like post nanny depression. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I know is kind of like a first world problem and it makes so you know, much sense. Yeah. But the first week the first week I didn't have her. Mason was off from school for two days because he goes to a Jewish day school mm. and there's like a million different Jewish holidays yes. at the beginning of October. Yes. And I just like fell into this depression and she left me a voice note on WhatsApp and I was listening to my in my car and the waterworks. I just Aww. started hysterical. And then after that week I was better. So it's been a transition, but um he goes to this amazing aftercare after school program mm. where he goes to school. So I have a lot of time. I can pick him up as late as six o'clock if I want. It's great. And he loves it. The first day he was there, I went and I picked him up at four because mm. I'm like, I work, but I don't work. Yeah. And he said, Mommy, why can't you come when all the other mommies come? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you want me to come at six o'clock? I'll come at six o'clock. Yeah. Like, more time for me. Wow. That's but yeah, great. it's good. So I, um, I have one, I'm totally a one and doneer. Yeah, me too. I, I knew very, <laughs> yeah, I knew very quickly that, um, I wasn't having any more kids. Yeah. 
you, um, and I'm part, go ahead. Sorry. Go no, I was going to say, and, and partly because of the PPD, like I never want to go through that again. Yeah. And you are at a 50% chance higher risk. Yes. Right. Absolutely. If you've had it once. But I think too, I felt like even when he turned two and three, every time we hit a milestone and like we got to pack the bottles up, you know, and yeah. buy sippy cups. And I kept feeling like I had come so far. Yeah. And I didn't want to go back. So yes. I always say to people, you know, because people are judgy, you know, yeah. there's a lot of judgy <laughs> assholes, like, how could you not give him a sibling? Yeah. Or, and I always tell people, I say, I chose to give my son a happy, healthy mom instead of a sibling. Yeah. And yeah. they kind of, their face kind of like goes a little bit, yeah. you know, white and they're like, okay. And they don't know what to say. And it's, right. it's shut the whole conversation down. Yeah. Well, it's such a personal thing for people to comment. Of course. I mean, it's always floors me too, when people comment to, you know, women who don't have children, women who aren't mothers yet, or maybe don't want to be. And people comment on when are you going to have a baby? And it's like, that is so presumptuous, you know, like, right. it's I, none it's, of your business. It's none of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so great because my son, it's very interesting. He wants to be with me all the time. So he's, okay. I have sort of the opposite thing where even, even now at, at nine and a half, I like, he wants me to pick him up early from school. He was, you know, he okay. does love his new, he's in a new school now and he loves okay. his new school, but it's really interesting for me balancing that of, of course, I want to spend time with you and I love you and you're my angel, but like mommy's got to work like <laughs> mommy's right. got, and mommy's got to have her, uh, you know, alone time. And, and being a divorced mom, I'm very fortunate that my, his, my ex-husband, his dad, uh, has him some of the time. And so I have that time to myself, but, Hi. um, but I think it's so healthy when kids have other caregivers, like you had your nanny mm -hmm. Renee, like that's so healthy for him to bond. And then it's so, it just speaks even more that he's like, no, I want to stay and play. Like, I think that's amazing. And so, and Thank win, win you. for you. Yeah. I'm really lucky in that sense. Oh. I feel like, um, well, I get it though. And I also, you know, that whenever he's like, play with me, will you play with me? Yeah. You know, and I know that like, if he had a sibling, he'd have a sibling. To, and I'm like, now I know why people have more kids. Yeah. So like, they don't have to play with their kids. Yeah. Kids can play together. Yeah. But no, it is hard. I, I think that again, I was lucky, but I think that all of this was forced upon me. Mm. You know, I was forced to let other people take care of him. Yeah. I was forced to stay in bed and take care of my health. Yeah. Um, and so I think luckily that kind of made him I guess, independent and resilient in that way, because whether it was our nanny or the night nurse or my husband or my mom or my father-in-law who lives in Charlotte, um, watched him. Mm -hmm. He's always been really good about going into a new place or a school or, you know, he wants to kind of, he also like, likes to be at the center of attention. Yeah. And like, like you never want to give my child's a microphone. You won't, <laughs> you know, like you won't get it back. And like, he, I know where he, I know where he gets it from. It's not, it's not my husband, you know, but, but it's, um, so I have, I've been lucky, but no moms need their own time. And, and it's, and you can love your son and also not want to be with your son for six hours oh, absolutely. at the same time. Like yeah. they're not mutually exclu exclusive. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I think that's another important message too, is that, um, which also, it comes with motherhood no matter what, but also with a mental health illness, like postpartum depression or anxiety, is that I, your identity is a mom. Yeah. You know, I think part of the reason why I got sick so quickly is because what I thought my identity as a mom would be 
Yes. It was nothing like that. And it sent my body into such shock. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I remember sitting at my therapist's office, you know, complaining that like, I thought I was going to be a mom, like my mother-in-law, you know, she's like Martha Stewart, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And, and I'm more like, you know, I don't want to make crafts and I don't want to cut and, and And she said, Jen, like, fuck all those other moms. Like, you are you. <laughs> I love and it, her. Right? And she did. I know. She's awesome. And it took me a while to kind of come around. Yeah. You know, on that. But she was. She said that. And she said, you are you. That's enough. Like, you're not this mom. You're not that mom. You are just you. Yeah. And um, I still talk about that because I think it's such an important message. It goes along with the perfection is the, the comparing. Yes. God, and the pressure we put on ourselves. I know. Oh, it's just, and it's so like deep in us from from childhood, I guess, or I, I mean, just that idea of this construct of what a woman is, what a wife is, what a what a mom is, what a lover is. It's like, we're, we're not allowed the freedom, or I wasn't, I should speak for myself, to define it for myself. You know, I right. wasn't. Right, and you don't. And you don't know to. And I didn't know to. I didn't know to until I was 40. You know what I mean? Really? Like till my late 30s. Well, right. Yeah. I do. I right. Until I had PPD, I had no clue. Yeah. So I always say, like, I'm really grateful for my postpartum depression. I wouldn't trade my experience. Yes. Because I have this whole identity and voice and purpose because of it. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, before motherhood, like I went from career to career, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to write, you know, I knew I liked more of the creative space, but right. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know that like before you're like the, you know, pre-gen yeah. and Jennifer, you yeah. know, women and post motherhood, you know, women are, are different. Like so how different. can you know who you are until you become a mother if yeah. that's what you're going to do? Right. Right. Yeah. It's so true. Which is why I love the MILF podcast yeah. <laughs> because you're completely redefining such a common, you know, a common term that's thrown around, yes. you know, for yeah. how you want it to be. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and, and I talk about this on the show often is sexuality was a big part of that redefining or just like new, def newly defining it for me because I didn't, I, d I, I just wasn't even really in touch with my own sexuality before. And I couldn't have been because I didn't sort of go to these depths before that I had. And I had had depression. I have suffered from depression pretty much my whole life. And I was treated for depression before I got pregnant, um, which then I learned also put me at a higher risk for having postpartum, which makes it even right. crazier that I didn't ask for help. Right. But that's just shows you how strong this idea of, oh, I can lick this myself. There's some, right. there's something in us that just like, no, I, I can, this, I, I don't, I don't need to go back on meds. Like I'd already, I already been on meds and they had already worked for me previously. Right. And I still didn't want to go that route. It's just, it's amazing to me that the strength of that old idea. Wow. Well, I just, it's so, it's so great to talk to you and I can't wait to see what you do in 2019. Um, with these you. exciting I projects and, um, thank you. Happy, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank I, you. It was the set. It was the 17th, but my two of my friends hosted, um, it was really a great idea. It was a girl's night out, but at lunchtime. Oh, perfect. So it was from 11 to two. One perfect. of my friends has had a guitar player come. So there was a guitar player oh. playing like Tom Petty and Billy Joel and everybody brought food and 
There amazing. was wine and champagne and the, the, the amazing unicorn cake. That's incredible. Because I do love unicorns. I don't believe unicorns have a place in motherhood, but I do have an <laughs> yeah. obsession with unicorns <laughs> outside of motherhood. Yes, I love it. I love it. So well, we've come to the time in the interview where I ask you the three questions I ask every guest, and then we're going to okay. go into a like a fun lightning round of questions. Okay, awesome. Okay, so the first question, Jen, is what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? I still think of the mom I'd like to fuck, yeah. but also um, I have socks. I have these red knee-high socks, and they say MILF. Oh my on God, the that's amazing. They say MILF, and they're... What is it like Arthur George, like Rob Kardashian had a sock company for like 10 minutes? No and way. I didn't know yes. this. And I know. And I think like Chris had to buy it from him because it made, you know, it made no money or something. Uh -huh. But I do. I have these red socks that go up to like almost my knees and on the bottom they say MILF. That is incredible. And I might have to steal it and make sweat for my, for my. I think you need <laughs> MILF. I, I would wear it. I would wear it all. Okay. Okay. What is something you've changed your mind about recently? Diets. Oh, say more. Um, so I have like been struggling to drop weight lately and, you know, just have put it on and things like that. And I am such um, a yo-yo dieter. I've done every diet on the planet. And I think after doing kind of a lot of like, um, like personal development work and certain workshops, I, I think, and the fact that like 98% of diets fail anyway, mm. I think that it's more, um, it's about self-love. It's not about diets and it's not about the food. It's about um, really shifting your mindset that you're enough and that you love yourself and you show your, yourself and your body love, you know, by making healthy choices and stuff like that. So I'm trying to shift mm. in that space um, versus just like, I'm never eating sugar again because that doesn't work. Right. Right. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. I, I love that yeah. philosophy. That's a good one. Really healthy. How do you define success? I think success is when you wake up every morning and you're excited to wake up um, and start your day because your day is filled with um, doing things that you love. Mm, agreed. hundred percent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Round of questions. Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? A really good, like soft, melty chocolate chip cookie. Oh yeah. Movies or Broadway show? That's really tough. Can I say both? I can't I can't yeah. choose between them. You can say whatever you want. There's no right. I can't choose. I can't choose. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime. Texting or talking? I love to talk, but at this point in my life when I'm a mom and so busy, texting for sure. Yeah. Cat person or dog person? A hundred percent dog person. Have you ever worn a unitard? No, I haven't. Shower or bathtub? Shower for the most part. And then I feel like at a spa, a hotel, you know, like when there is that bathtub in front of that freestanding tub in front of you, mm. a really relaxing bubble bath mm. for sure. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Maybe like a four, four and a half. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? When people don't follow directions that are right in front of them. <laughs> you know, like you you know, like somebody asks a question somewhere and literally like they were just told the answer, <laughs> but they still ask them. I it makes me crazy. And I think part of it is from being a teacher because 
you t I would teach middle school and they would ask the same questions over and over again. And like, I could write the answers to the test on the board and some of them would still fail. Right. So it's like, just read the direction. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. If you could push a button and it would create 10 years of world peace, but it would also place a hundred year ban on all beauty products, would you push it? Yeah, I think I'd push it. Superpower choice, invisibility, ability to fly. And I'm going to add one super strength, which do you choose? I feel like I already have super strength. Yeah. Not physically, but mentally. Yes. And I definitely invisibility. Mm. Would you rather have six fingers on both hands or a belly button that looks like foreskin? I think a belly button because you don't see your belly button every day, but your <laughs> hands, like everyone sees your, and I talk with my hands. <laughs> so I feel like I would be talking and somebody be like, would be like, does that girl have 12 fingers? <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'll do the belly. Right. Okay. What was the name of your first pet? This is really embarrassing. It was a whipped cream was the name of my first dog. It was, I was seven years old. It was a white um, West Highland Terrier. Oh, I love those. I, they were so cute. And I had been begging for a dog and I was at sleepaway camp and on visiting day, my parents surprised me and said, we got a dog. Here's a picture. What do you want to name her? And like, they put me on the spot and I couldn't think of anything. And I just said whipped cream. <laughs> and we, and we called her Whippy. And the funniest thing is that I hate whipped cream. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like whipped cream or custard or anything with that like yogurt, except for frozen yogurt. I don't like anything with that texture. Yeah. But her name was Whip Whippy. We called her Whippy. Yeah. Now my dog's name is Harry Potter. And that's, oh, that's better. fantastic. <laughs> uh, and what was the name of the street you grew up on? Sandstone Trail. So your poor name is Whippy Sandstone. Whippy Sandstone. Not bad. That's kind of hot. Not bad. The really? best porn. Well, my husband's porn name is Samuel Adams. No, it's not. Which I think is awesome. <laughs> and well, that's if you well, that's if you do middle name and street is okay. Samuel Adams. And then my one of my closest friends, hers is Heidi Deepwood. No, and those are the two, and those are the two best I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know. Whippy Sandstone. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. We could we could spin some yarns about her. We could, yeah, we could work. What with she's that. doing in her life. Whippy Sandstone's going to need a unitard. Probably. Yes, she is. Yes, some she other is. things. <laughs> oh, Jen, it's been such a treat having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jen. And tune in next week when I will be interviewing Catherine McCord of Weelicious. I got to sit down with her in her beautiful home and have an amazing conversation with her. She reminded me when I walked in, she's like, we actually know each other. I was like, what? So such an amazing spirit. So warm and lovely. And um, just a quick reminder, uh, go ahead and write a review on iTunes for every iTunes review I get this month. I will be donating $3 to Every Mother Counts which is an incredible organization founded by Christy Turlington Burns after she made a film about it, giving maternity care for women all around the world. It's an incredible place and organization. So um, do that. I just love you guys so much. Have a great and happy holiday and be gentle with yourself. <laughs>